Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It's Hanukkah week, it's Christmas week, and I'm Larry O'Connor, thrilled to sit in tonight for the great one, Mark Levin. Lines are open at 877-381-3811. I got so much to talk about. We've got breaking news from the Supreme Court on the border catastrophe in Title 42. We've got the story that the media wants us to talk about, this this Potemkin village of a charade, of a kabuki theater, of a kangaroo committee led by Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, uh, issuing completely non-binding, bogus criminal referrals to President Trump and many other individuals. I, I mean... We will get to that, but certainly not the first thing out of our mouths tonight. Uh, And we've got some unbelievable... I mean, every time the Twitter files are released at the behest of Elon Musk through various independent journalists, we do have, again, unbelievable information about not just what happened at that organization, but also with the FBI in connection with them. And today's revelation in the Twitter files is is worse than anything we've seen. We're going to get to that, too. Uh, but more importantly, we want to hear from you as well. Again, at 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor here. I'm the morning man on WMAO in Washington, D.C. And uh, that means, of course, that I am Mark Levin's morning man. He wakes up to the mellifluous sounds of this voice right here. That's right. I get to wake up Mark Levin. And I'm happy to be here uh, when I'm often and... Uh, I'm often privileged to fill in for him in this uh, hallowed time slot, 6 to 9 Eastern. So it's great to talk with you, and I hope you're having a great holiday season. There is a lot in the news, and I want to start with this Title 42 story. Uh, First, uh, let me break the news for you. If you haven't heard it at the top of the hour news break, the Supreme Court, led by Chief Justice Roberts, has in fact put a stay on the lifting of the Title 42 protocols at the border. Now, I know that Mark Levin's audience is the smartest in all of talk radio. I don't need to do too much explanation, but just in case people are skimming by... Uh, There may be some newbies here that don't understand what Title 42 is. Title 42 is a provision that was put in during the Trump administration through the Health and Human Services Department that allowed the Border Patrol to restrict access to uh, illegal aliens crossing our border under the guise of the COVID-19 health protocols. Now, let's just be clear here. The laws are already in place if there is a president and an administration who actually respects the law, duly passed by the Congress and signed by a previous president. We don't need Title 42 to enforce the border. We don't need Title 42 to actually secure our sovereign borders, our sovereign land, and determine as a nation and as a governing body through the federal government who should be allowed into our country and for what reason. Title 42 isn't necessary for that. The law is already in place. However, there are certain aspects to our uh, to our asylum laws. If people claim asylum, if they uh, claim to be refugees, and sadly that needs to be reformed because it's incredibly porous right now, you go up to the border and you say, I'm in fear, and suddenly you've triggered an asylum 
question. During the Trump administration, they were trying to push those asylum hearings and determinations in the home country of the individual rather than at our border. We also had the remain in Mexico policy in place, where even if you did claim asylum, you had to stay in Mexico rather than gaining access to our nation. All of that was thrown out the window under President Biden. President Biden walked in and basically reversed what was going on under Trump. And let me repeat, what was going on under President Trump was merely in the enforcement of the laws that are in place now. What we see right now on the border is a president who refuses to follow the law. We have a president who has ignored the border laws that have already been placed. And so Title 42 was one last uh, safety net. It had still remained in place, and Joe Biden was was handcuffed with it because he couldn't lift Title 42 because then that would mean he would admit that the pandemic was over. You can't lift Title 42 at the border and say, we don't need this anymore, yet at the same time, make your kids stay home and do math class on your kitchen table on a laptop or or threaten people's jobs if they don't get a jab or... Uh, maintain masking protocols on flights or, or masking protocols anywhere. All of those things that they loved allowing their governors to control in your lives on a day-to-day basis during COVID-19. He's going to lift Title 42 and say, oh, no, okay, all right, well, we got to lift Title 42 so that we can keep the border even more open than we've already tried to do it. And suddenly he even had pushbacks from some of his own Democrat governors saying, you can't do that. We're still trying to make people think that we got a pandemic here. Come on, we're going to lose control. So he kept Title 42 in place for about a year, but it was uh, this last May when he finally forced the issue and said, that's it, fine. We can't pretend anymore. The pandemic's over. They got us dead to rights. Of, of course, a month after he attempted to lift Title 42, saying the pandemic was over, he still tried to push through his unconstitutional student loan repayment scam. And, and what was the reasoning behind it? Well, people said, you can't do this. He said, oh, of course I can. There's a pandemic, you know. Now, there's no pandemic on the border when we're allowing anybody to come in from the third world nations where actually they still do have problems with this virus. You know, they could be they could be infected up to high heaven. But yeah, come on in. No vaccine needed. No mask needed. Come on in. Go to our kids school. Everything's fine. Get all of our government resources. The border's open. No pandemic on the border. Oh, but if you've got an advanced degree from Harvard and you haven't paid off for that doctorate in, you know, uh, transgender studies. Oh, well, the pandemic keeps you from being able to pay that off. We're in the middle of a national health crisis, so we'll go ahead and pay off that loan for you. On the very same day last week, the Biden administration refused one state's demand to to maintain border security and at the same time allowed the state of Washington to use federal tax dollars to pay for the health care for people in this country illegally. At least this administration does not lie about their priorities. At least this administration tells you right up front who they are. But they still try to lie about it a little bit. Just a little bit. Karine Jean-Pierre today. You ever wonder how these talking points go through this revolving door from the White House to the media and back to the White House and back to the media? You ever notice how they all sound like they're reading from the same script? I've got a smoking gun here for you, and it's related directly to Title 42. And just to to repeat the big story, the Supreme Court has blocked this crisis, albeit temporarily. But thank God for Governor Greg Abbott in Texas. Thank God for Attorney General Ken Paxton in Texas, who petitioned the Supreme Court to hear this 
Chief Justice John Roberts, just an hour before we went on the air, just an hour ago, uh, released the statement blocking this Title 42 lift that was due to go in on Thursday. I'm sure you've seen the videos. I, I hope you saw my colleague uh, Julio Rosas at Town Hall and his video that he got from the border over the weekend about the mounting people. People are stacking up on the border, just waiting for Title 42 to lift on Thursday. And they were just all going to start flooding in again. And as catastrophic as the border has been for the last two years, it was about to get that much worse. And it was all linked to Title 42 being lifted. And the administration has been talking about it. Hell, the administration's been bragging about it. That's how everybody in the world knows that this is happening. And the Supreme Court just blocked it. So we've got, so we've got some relief. We've got some relief for now. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson earlier today, was challenged on this, saying there could be up to 50,000 waiting on the Mexico side of our border, just waiting to cross if Title 42 ends. That's what the estimates say right now. How is this administration going to handle this crisis? Listen to what her answer is. This is incredibly instructive, and it's a smoking gun on how the media, every, everybody says that the media does the White House's bidding, the, the media does the, the, the left's bidding or the Democratic Party's bidding. I wish that were the case. I, and by the way, in some cases it's true. But most of the time, this is the real sad reality here. Most of the time, it's actually the other way around. The Democrats and the left, and when they're in power, as they are right now, the levers of power in our government actually take the cue from the media. They all watch the same shows. They all listen to the same hosts and anchors and reporters and journalists and analysts and uh, uh, what does uh, the great one call them? Analysts. That's right. Especially the legal analysts. They watch them all and then they take a cue from them. This is one of the biggest myths out there. That the media takes their marching orders from the Democrats in power in the government. Sadly, the Democrats in power in the government take their marching orders from the media. Watch this now, or at least listen to this. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre today, challenged about the Title 42 problem on the border and the fact that 50,000 migrants are waiting on the Mexican side to pour in should this be lifted on Thursday. Listen to her response. This is all written down. It's on her little cross-tab notebook. She, she doesn't have a creative mind in her head. She has to read everything from her ledger. But here's what she read. What I can say is that we know smugglers uh, will try to spread misinformation to take advantage of these vulnerable uh, migrants. But I want to be very clear here. Uh, the fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. Uh, anyone who suggests otherwise is simply doing the work of these smugglers who... Now, she repeated this several times because that's what she does. People will challenge her on questions, and she just keeps repeating the same written thing. And you know what? I mean, you say it enough times, you'd think you'd be able to do it off the top of your head, but she continues to read it. I don't know if they don't trust her to speak extemporaneously, but, but she always has to go back to her crosstab, and she repeats the exact same thing. Anyone who suggests that the border is open is actually doing the work of the smugglers. Anyone who suggests that the border is open is doing the work of the smugglers, she said over and over again. That was the talking point of the day. That was the talking point of the day. Today. Now, I want you to see what was on ABC News yesterday. Martha Raddatz. She is a, a radical leftist. 
the chief global affairs correspondent for ABC News. She often uh, hosts or at least uh, either either fill in hosts or does her own separate segments on the George Stephanopoulos morning show on Sunday. Right. But he, she also does all these features on the e- ABC evening news. I have to tell you this because I know that you've given up watching network news. I don't blame you. Martha Raddatz had a Governor Greg Abbott of Texas on for an interview. I want you to listen to this question from Martha Raddatz to Governor Abbott. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border. Come on over. But people I have heard say it are you. Can I pause for a moment here? What a moronic answer. Oh, you say we have open borders. I've never heard Joe Biden say we have an open border. Come on in and walk through it. Are we supposed to take these people seriously? Really? But you heard what she said here. Look at look at what she's doing. Biden has never said the border's open. Oh, his policies have opened the border. We've had more people cross this border by the millions than we have in, in, I think the last calculation I saw was in the last 10 years. More people have crossed the border in the last year and a half under Joe Biden's policies than 10 years preceding. You don't have to say that the border is open. His policies have created an open border. But Martha Raddatz says that the fault lies with Republican governors who say that the border is open because the policies have, in fact, opened the border. Now, I know that's hard to follow because, you know, you have more than a fifth-grade education and you think like a normal person instead of somebody like Martha Raddatz. But listen to it again. The border wall, you talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard... President Trump or Ron DeSantis, that message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. It was, you saw that, right? So there's Martha Raddatz, that's over the weekend, saying, hey, Biden never says that the border's open. You Republicans say it, and you're doing the work of the smugglers. You're helping the smugglers. The smugglers hear it, and then they use that, and they entice people to come to the border. That was yesterday. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre today at the White House. Um, a number uh, for you at this time. What I can say is that we know smugglers uh, will try to spread misinformation to take advantage of these vulnerable uh, migrants. But I want to be very clear here. Uh, The fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. Uh, Anyone who suggests otherwise is simply doing the work of these smugglers. You think this happens spontaneously? You think, oh my gosh, they all had sort of the same idea at the same time within the same 24 and 36 hour window and they're all saying the same thing. Isn't that amazing how they all said, no, no. And let's be clear here. It was the ABC News anchor, journalist, interviewer, Martha Raddatz, who actually started this 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 thread that now is being pulled on by Karine Jean-Pierre. I guarantee you they were watching this. Said, that's great. That's brilliant. Write it down. Use that in the briefing tomorrow. We're not the ones who caused the crisis. We're not the ones who are helping human smugglers. It's Republicans like Abbott and DeSantis and Trump because they keep saying the border's open. No one would be coming if these guys didn't say the border was open. They're the problem. And now you have the tail wagging the dog. 
Corinne Jean-Pierre and the Democrats in the White House and the Biden administration, they are taking their cues and their marching orders from the journalists. And they're pretty good at it. Whoever's to blame, the policy is there. And the border is open, and it's fractured, and it's a fundamental right of any nation to secure their borders. And this president refuses to follow that law. And now, thankfully, the Supreme Court has reinstated Title 42 for the time being. There's more lies being said about that from this White House, and I'll share that with you as well. And I do want to hear from you, too, obviously, at 877-381-3811. I, I, I haven't even started with Hunter Biden and with the Twitter files and this FBI that truly does need, I think, sadly, at this point, to be dismantled. We're going to get into all of that and Biden poetry. All coming up. It's Larry O'Connor in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. As Rush Limbaugh, the greatest of all time, used to say, not enough time to be fair to the next caller. And there are a lot of callers who want to jump in here. So we'll keep talking about Title 42 and about the lies that you're hearing right now from the Biden administration. Lies today from their spokesperson, Karine Jean-Pierre. And again, this 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 hamster wheel, this revolving door, as my old friend Andrew Breitbart used to say, the Democrat media complex, the revolving door between the media and the government on the left. We're going to keep exposing that and we'll take your calls too. Again, the big story, Supreme Court reinstates, maintains Title 42 for now. Border catastrophe avoided. Keep it here. More to come. Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. 
That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, today. Happy Hanukkah to all, and a Merry Christmas as we lead up to the big Christmas holiday this weekend as well. Uh, always an honor and a privilege to sit in, and, and I love his time slot so great, as I, 6 to 9. Uh, I do mornings now, which is 5 to 9 in the morning. I used to do 3 to 6 in the afternoon uh, in Washington, D.C. on WMAL. I've done mid-mornings as well from 10 to 2 on uh, out in Los Angeles as well. And so I, I love all these different time slots. But but Mark's is great because, you know, you've, I've, got, I've got the whole show set. And then 5 o'clock, court order from the Supreme Court, John Roberts, Title 42, stays in place. And boom, your whole first hour is out the window. you got to do this story. But that's great. I love that because that's the beauty and intimacy of talk radio, where instead of just sitting in front of a teleprompter and reading the headline and then moving on to the next stupid canned package story, we actually can do a deep dive. We can analyze it. We can discuss it. And most importantly, Importantly, you get to chime along at 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. In fact, let's uh, let's do that right now with Aaron in Mission Viejo, listening on 870 The Answer, KRLA. I used to listen to that when I lived out there. Hey, Aaron, thanks for calling in. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Thank you for uh, first time and sometime. Uh, specifically, Colin, cool. regarding your comments on the incestuous relationship between the White House and the media, we all know it exists. But specifically to John Beer's um, comments last night, saying that because Republicans talk about the border, it's the reason it's a problem. Now, if yep. we take that faulty reasoning and apply it to mass shootings, then because they always talk about gun control, the Democrats, therefore they are the reason for mass shootings. Now, we all know that's faulty reasoning, but nonetheless, if we're going to play the game, let's play it back at them. Dude, did, did I not mention about 20 minutes ago that Mark Levin has the smartest listeners? You're absolutely, of course, that's it's, it's undeniable. In fact, I would say, Aaron, you're right, it is faulty reasoning. However, specific to the phenomenon of mass shooters, and especially young teens who do these horrific evil acts for their own psychotic purposes and sometimes for uh, narcissistic reasons and, and egotistical uh, 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 psychological dysphorias, I would say actually it's closer to the truth, Aaron. When, when someone is a loser and they uh, have these evil tendencies and they see that in one shining last moment of glory, somebody's name, even in infamy, is repeated across the spectrum from, from television stations to cable news to late-night comics to, to the President of the United States, when they can have that one horrific evil act that actually gives them infamy, it actually, I believe, does feed more copycat crime. So I, actually, Aaron, frankly, I think that your example actually is closer to reality. But, but it is... An absolute atrocity that they're actually trying to blame those of us who are pointing out the disaster at the border for the disaster at the border. Agreed. All right, brother. Tell Mission Mission Viejo is God's country. Tell my friend uh, Kira Davis from Red State out there. I said hi if you ever see her. She's down in that area. Thank you for the call, Aaron. Um, and Aaron's talking about this great this double speak between the the media and the White House, where the White House picked up the media's talking point yesterday. That, you know, it's, it's only the Republicans who say the border's open. And when they keep saying the border's open, that's why people are coming to the border and they're doing the work of the smugglers. You talk about doublespeak. Listen to this other example today. Title 42, right? Now, just to be clear, this was earlier this afternoon during the briefing around 3 o'clock. My friends over at townhall.com, uh, Kevin McMahon, grabbed the video. So I'm looking at the timestamp now. It's 3.07. Uh, 
so this is before this is two hours before the supreme court reinstated title 42 and maintained that policy at the border and here's Corinne jean-pierre now now real quick backstory before i get to the audio Title 42 was in place by the Trump administration during COVID-19. The Biden administration attempted to lift it. They wanted to do away with it. They were blocked in court, in, in federal court, by a couple of states led by Attorney General Ken Paxton in Texas. The court upheld Title 42. They blocked it. The Biden administration appealed that, and they got a court of appeals in D.C., of course, naturally, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, you know, overruled the federal court in Texas and said, yep, Title 42 must be lifted and will be lifted uh, this Thursday, the 21st. Okay, that's how we got here, because the Biden administration wanted to lift it. They were blocked. They then sued and appealed, and they finally won an appeal up until today's Supreme Court suspension. Now, listen to how Corinne Jean-Pierre characterizes it today, because the reporters are saying, you know what, you're going to lift this thing on Thursday and it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a disaster on the border. Listen to her excuse. I mean, we're, we remained under a court order to lift Title 42. That is Aren't a court order. That, that is a court order that is telling us to lift Title 42. Now, any other reporter in that room would say, oh, well, it's a court order. What can they do? Their hands are tied. I mean, this is this administration. I mean, say what you will about them, but they abide by the rule of law. If uh, if the judicial branch of our government tells the administration that they've got it, they're under order to lift Title 42, then even even though they don't want to do it, they've got to do it because they're under a court order. Every other reporter in that room would have just accepted that. This is uh, Jackie, Jackie Heinrich from Fox News. She actually knows something. And so listen to this great exchange, because understand, this is the talking point. Hey, nothing we can do. We're under a court order. And we're going to comply because we follow the rule of law. But the administration that is, sought to lift that it. Is, but it is a court order. But that is that started by you guys. It was a court order that has been provided to us, and so now we have to comply. <laughs> I mean... Again, you talk about the doublespeak. You talk about Orwellian twisting of the language. Yeah, I know this Title 42 thing's going to be bad, but we're under a court order. Well, but but wait a minute. You actually sought to get away, do away with Title 42. You fought in court to get away with it. Yeah, but it's a court order. Yeah, but the court, you asked for the court order. You requested the court order. You actually sued for the court order. But you watch. You watch ABC tonight. You watch, you watch CBS. You watch CNN. You're going to say, well... The Biden administration dragged kicking and screaming to lift Title 42 because of this court order. They must comply because they, if anything, they follow the rule of law. And that's where we are right now. But but you know what? I I, I promised myself my, my New Year's resolution, and I might as well start now. I'm going to stop complaining about the media. Because honestly, if they didn't behave this way, th- there'd be no reason for you to turn to the Mark Levin show. There would be no reason for you to turn to talk radio and the great station WMAL that I work for in Washington, D.C. Uh, you wouldn't need alternative routes of media because you'd be accepting the facts and the truth that's delivered to you by an honest media. But they're not honest. They're corrupt. And you're smarter than that. You're smart enough to know that you need to be informed and educated outside of the corrupt confines of this corporate media. So you, you come to us. So in anything, I should be thanking them. We should all be thanking them. How about Rick in Elmwood Park, New Jersey, listening to the mighty legacy station, WABC Heritage there in New York. Hey, Rick, thanks for joining us here on the Mark Levin Show. And thanks for taking my call. 
Um, I started looking into the global warming scam about 20 years back, and I quickly found out how much the media is in lockstep with the government and also with each other. If you go on YouTube and you look up scripted media, you'll find montages of different news stations from all across America all saying exactly the same thing. And they'll run a roll oh, yeah. of them, like 20 or 30 stations, all saying exactly the same thing. Yeah, no, Rick, listen, and I think I, I mentioned the greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh, who really, I think he was the first person who opened my eyes to it when he would come in on a Monday and have all of these talking points from the Sunday shows, and they're all saying the exact same thing, all using the same words all the time. I remember during the... The 2000 presidential election between George W. Bush and Al Gore. And remember, how, how often, Rick, does anybody use the word gravitas in a sentence, right? I mean, gravitas at the time was, was barely, it's not part of the American lexicon, right? But suddenly someone in the Al Gore campaign or some, you know, James Carville probably working for the Democrats decided that this would be a great way to show that George W. Bush, the the son of the former president George Herbert Walker Bush, was not up to the task that he was he was a, a you know a paper tiger he was he was he was not he was trying to fill his daddy's shoes and he couldn't do it right that was the knock on George W. Bush and so they used the word gravitas he doesn't have gravitas he doesn't have gravitas and do you remember when Rush would play that the next day he played suddenly like all across the media everyone suddenly using the word gravitas when no one was using it before it wasn't even part of our lexicon. It was something that an academic would use, maybe. Uh, it, it is. It, it's one of those things. It's like the little magic eyes, when as soon as you see the picture that's hidden inside the little computer graphic, you can't unsee it. And, Rick, you're right. We see it everywhere. Uh, but that's why you're here, right? That's why you listen to WABC. And they like to put labels on everybody. They, they want to put their labels oh, yeah. on everybody and on everything. The big lie. The big yes, lie. You, the big lie. You, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. By the way, real fast, you, 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 speaking of lies, you would admit that the refs totally stole that game for the Giants last night against Washington Commanders, right? Got to be honest, I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. I, I found a guy in Jersey who didn't watch the Giants last night. Excellent. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. <laughs> they did. They robbed us. That's all right. That's all right. I'll be okay with it. Uh, let's continue with your calls here as we talk about the big story. We are getting to Hunter Biden coming up and the, twi the Twitter files. Uh, today's revelation, honestly, I don't know. I like Elon Musk. I do. And, and I'm happy that he's revealing this stuff. Monday afternoon on the same day as this Fakakta January 6th kangaroo court release, the same day the Title 42 stuff is coming down, Hanukkah, Christmas week in the afternoon at two in the afternoon. That's when you release today's revelations about the FBI. I, you, you need a little bit more understanding on how to release news so that it has the biggest impact. Oh, good Lord. If only Andrew Breitbart was still with us, what he would do with this story. If, if he had Elon Musk's ear, ah, oh. but you know, we, uh, but we are going to get to that as well. Victor in Silver Springs. You know, it's funny. Victor, Victor is a longtime listener and caller to WMAL in Washington. Victor, 10 years ago, when I had this story on the Mark Levin show, I would ask people in border states to call in about this, right? I would call, hey, if you're in Texas or Arizona or California, call in and tell us what it's like. But, Victor, you live in Maryland, a suburb of D.C., Silver Spring. You would admit, basically, Maryland is now a border state. D.C. is a border town. Absolutely. And I got a story to tell you. I've been getting calls. It started about two weeks ago 
from various real estate agents saying, are you interested in selling your house? So I decided the next one that calls me, I'm going to have a little bit of fun. So I said to this woman, yeah, I might be interested in selling my house. And I said, oh, why do you want my house? Why, why do I have to sell my house to you? And she says, well, it's like this. Uh, once we get your house, we tell the government there's another house opened up for illegal aliens to live in. Are you serious? I'm serious. Now, this is, this is hearsay. I, this is hearsay, but Victor has never lied on the radio before. That is unbelievable. I'm not, listen, I have no doubt. They're desperate for housing right now. They've relocated a ton of illegal border crossers to the area, to the Washington, D.C. area, just like they've been relocated located all across the country. And, and, and it's perfectly in keeping with this administration through the, the grotesque amount of money that they continue to print in their basement as if it's, it, it, you know, there's an unlimited amount that they would actually purchase homes at top dollar in this real estate market in one of the most expensive real estate markets in the country, the greater Washington, D.C. area, so that uh, they can own a building to then house illegal aliens that they brought up here pending their immigration hearing. Well, try to get more information about that, Victor. That's worth an investigative reporter hunting it down. All right, buddy? Rent a room in my house, and that's when she just opened up and admitted to me that... um, they are looking for houses uh, for these illegal aliens yeah. because they know they'll get money from the government. Yeah, it's either a non-government agency or it's a company that's getting contract work through the government. All right, feed some information. I know some investigative reporters at Town Hall in Red State. Uh, Jennifer Van Lar, my God, what great work she's been doing on Ronna Romney McDaniel and the, uh, the spending at the RNC. Great investigative work at Red State. They'd love to pull on that thread, Victor, so send that over to us. Uh, thank you for that. All right, more of your calls on this, 877-381-3811. More on this Title 42 disaster at the border, what's really happening, and how, no, the Biden administration is not under a court order. Well, i tell you what, now they're under a court order. The Supreme Court will see if they actually abide by it in the same way they were uh, given lip service to a court order earlier today. And also, in a moment, Joe Biden poetry. You're going to want to participate in this experiment. That's all coming up. I'm Larry O'Connor, and this is The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, You can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin, and I'm, I'm chuckling because I know that on all of the network news shows, 
if anyone still watches them, and I know you don't. The lead story, probably the first half of their pristine 30-minute extravaganza was the January 6th committee has sent criminal referrals to the Justice Department on the President of the United States and other Republicans. It's it's such a fake story. It's such a nothing. It's so they're dying. They're dying for everybody to make that the lead story. I won't insult your intelligence with it. We'll 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 discuss it a little bit. We'll talk about why it doesn't matter. Why it is meaningless. We'll get into some details on that. Uh, coming up a little later in the program. And and in the next hour, I do really want you to, to sort of walk shoulder to shoulder with me as we go into a deep dive, a very deep analysis of today's Twitter files revelation that shows how deep the FBI involvement was in controlling speech in 2020 during the presidential election, how they basically groomed, again, I'm using the word groomed, they groomed executives at Twitter so that they were in the perfect place the moment the Hunter Biden laptop story came public. And it's it's extraordinary. And it requires some focus. And I know, once again, that the Mark Levin audience is the smartest in talk radio. And so we'll be able to have that focus and go through this entire very important story. Uh, that's all coming up in a bit, but we're wrapping things up here on the Title 42 story. If you've missed it, the big story is that John Roberts, Chief Justice, has put a stay on this court order that would have lifted Title 42 at the border this Thursday. That means that uh, at the very least, there's there's some modicum of fig leaf there trying to keep this border closed a bit under the Title 42 protocols. And, uh, and we're exposing all the lies that the administration's been saying over the last several days about it, including today. Uh, how about Kirby in Colorado? Listen, on KNZZ. Uh, Kirby, what's going on there? Is Colorado a border state, too? Uh, well, no, but Denver seems to be a sanctuary city. Oh, yes. And they, they, they're they having a huge, huge problem now. Last Thursday on my uh, news feed, uh, Denver is declaring a state of emergency because of the all of the undocumented uh aliens that have come in there and they have no housing for them yeah now have they blamed trump for that yet i'm just curious no they haven't blamed trump for it yet but how can the borders be closed if they keep coming through and hit and coming to the sanctuary cities yeah oh no if the border were closed kirby as our Secretary of uh, Department of Hum- uh, uh, Homeland Security, Mayorkas, said, then uh, why would they need to even be a sanctuary city? Uh, Kirby, thank you for the call and thank you for the update on Colorado. One other thing, you're hearing a lot of Republicans say that as soon as they get the majority in the House, they're going to impeach Mayorkas. Let me ask you something. If Mayorkas is doing the job of the Biden administration and Mayorkas should be impeached, then why the hell shouldn't Biden be impeached, too? This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It's Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, this Hanukkah Christmas week. Always a pleasure and honor 
to be able to sit in for him during the holidays. And uh, I appreciate you sticking around here as we have so much going on in the news. And I'm, I'm going to dedicate pretty much this entire hour to this uh, remarkable story. It actually isn't too much of a surprise for those of us who were paying attention. But it's it's great to be validated and see the details of this story actually laid out. And, of course, I'm talking about the Twitter files, part seven today. It was revealed at noon, or 11 a.m. Eastern, actually, excuse me. Um, one of my few quibbles with Mr. Musk is the way this story has been rolled out. I do like the fact that he's done it on his platform on Twitter. You know, other people with their narcissism and their megalomania. You know, if Jeff Bezos had a big story about Amazon that he had as an exclusive, you know, he, he wouldn't reveal it in his own paper, the Washington Post. Right. He because he'd want to be on TV. He'd, he'd want it. He'd want it to be, you know, because everyone wants to be on TV. Right. And uh, and their their narcissism would get the most of them. And I, I respect the fact that Elon Musk had said, listen, I, I own a website. It's it's an information social media site called Twitter. If we've got a big story that we're going to tell, we're going to tell it on our site. So I do respect that. Uh, the problem is the timing and the method in which it's been rolled out. It's. It's almost, you have to go out of your way to find it. Um, that said, if you want to know the truth about something, if you want to know the facts, you know, like journalists used to do, then you would seek out this information. And that's what I did when this story broke today. I've been reading through this thread all afternoon. I've read it multiple, multiple times. And I keep going back to that phrase that I used in the last hour that is uh, an original so many original statements and sayings can be attributed to my dearly departed friend Andrew Breitbart who was my mentor and brought me into this crazy world for my second career uh, Andrew Breitbart coined the phrase the Democrat media complex it was of course a, a twist on the phrase the um, military industrial complex where you know uh, captains of industry and corporations in manufacturing would be in bed with the Pentagon and the military. Um, they would spend their money to ensure that politicians were put in place to give big defense contracts and keep a military buildup going. And then that money would then funnel back to those very same corporations that made the donations for those politicians so that they could get rich off of the military buildup. And, of course, there's some truth to it. It was, it was really coined, I think, by President Eisenhower. Uh, if anybody knew anything about the military-industrial complex, it would have been five-star general, uh, leader of the Allied forces in World War II, and the president for two terms, Dwight Eisenhower. And you would hear it from the left all the time, military-industrial complex. Oh, it's the military-industrial complex. It's the military-industrial complex. Uh, and so Andrew had such a great way with words and a great way of framing stories for the media and, and busting narratives and creating his own narratives that he coined the phrase the Democrat media complex. And the Democrat media complex basically take the military industrial complex and take it out of the realm of manufacturing and corporate corp, uh, 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 big manufacturing corporations and Republican politicians and the Pentagon and military spending remove that aspect of it, but put it instead over into the media, information, entertainment, culture, the music industry, academia, and the Democrats. 
and you've got the exact same model. The money keeps flowing. And also the personnel keeps uh, going through the revolving door. You know, uh, these uh, Gen Zers and, and even some millennials, they think George Stephanopoulos is just some newsman. Oh, yeah, he's the guy who does Good Morning America. And he was ABC. No, he was the bag man for Bill Clinton, for God's sake. And they don't even know that. You have to be Generation X and older to even know that. I said Chuck Todd, you know, and uh, they mentioned Martha Raddatz earlier in the show. I mean, how, how many Democrats sitting on television right now or liberals, some of them are liberal Republicans. I'm looking at you, Nicole Wallace, who have lofty positions as anchors of television news programs who used to work in politics. It's the Democrat media complex. And it's a big part of this today's revelation in the Twitter files. And it all focuses on the Hunter Biden laptop story in the FBI. You remember that the very first Twitter file story, which was two weeks ago, it was released by Matt Taibbi, independent journalist, who uh, told the story of the internal conversations at the higher echelons of the executive suites of Twitter about how they were going to censor the story. Uh, and I say the entire conversation had to do with how they would censor the story because they never really asked, should they censor? Is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? Are there free speech concerns here? Is basic fairness. If, if we're a social media company and we, our entire business model is based on the free flow of information to the public, then if we are standing in the way of that and blocking information that has been published by a respected newspaper, the New York Post, that's been around since Alexander Hamilton, then maybe are we going against the very reason that we have for being? Those questions were never asked. Certainly not asked by anybody in the upper management of Twitter. So it was never whether we should censor or why we should censor. It really it was, okay, we're going to censor this Hunter Biden story. Now we have to figure out a way to shoehorn that decision into whatever pre-existing policies we might have and sort of make it work. And of course it didn't work. But that's what the first revelation was. Several days later, though, there were all these questions saying, what about the FBI? How, why is there hardly any mention of the FBI here? Well, now we know. Today's revelation actually takes up this story, and it tells you exactly what the FBI was doing. And we know why so much of it was censored. Within Twitter itself, it was censored. It was because there were FBI agents who had left the agency, lawyers, people in the upper echelon of that agency who had worked on the Russian collusion hoax, and they were now working at Twitter. One of them was working at Twitter even as recently as 10 days ago. And that's why FBI, mentions of the FBI was not part of Matt Taibbi's first release. Are you hearing this story on cable news right now? Uh-huh. So, uh, hat tip to Michael Schellenberger. He is the independent journalist. I don't know anything about his politics. I'll tell you, the three journalists who have done the most on this, Barry Weiss, Matt Taibbi, and I'm guessing this Michael Schellenberger guy, they, they lean to the left. I mean, it's pretty hard to get out of the world of journalism these days and not lean to the left, I'll be honest with you. They lean to the left, but it seems that they uh, are more interested in the, in the truth and facts and some higher level of free speech principles. And they don't allow those principles to be overridden by their left-wing politics and their allegiance to one party and one candidate, or even more so in this case, their repulsion 
to Donald Trump and conservatives. They didn't allow that to happen. They actually have been able to set aside their political biases and actually tell this story. So hat tips that I don't know Michael Schellenberger's politics. I know he wrote a book called San Francisco. So, you know, that that he's got he's got some handle on what's going on in America's most democratic city. So he titles this how the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of the laptop on October 14th, 2020. October 14th, 2020 was three weeks before the election, little under three weeks before the presidential election. But what you need to understand, and this is critically important, the laptop the Hunter Biden laptop was handed over to the FBI in December of 2019. And it wasn't revealed by the New York Post to the American public until October of 2020. But the FBI had this thing the whole time. They knew it existed. They had already been exploring it. They were already looking at it. They already knew exactly what that laptop was, and they knew what the origins were. It was handed over to them by a man named John Paul Mac Isaac. He owns a, a computer repair shop in Delaware. It was given to him by Hunter Biden himself because there was liquid damage on it. I've interviewed the guy a couple of times. He has receipts signed by Hunter Biden that relinquishes the laptop to John Paul Mac Isaac, the owner of this store. And since he never came to pick this up and never paid for the repair that was done, Legally, John Paul Mac Isaac was able to do whatever he wanted with this laptop. That's what happens when you turn over this stuff. Hunter Biden had no interest in getting the information that was on this laptop. So big lesson here. John Paul Mac Isaac, he did the right thing. He did what we were all told we were supposed to do. And that is trust the FBI. The biggest theme of this entire escapade, this sad, sorry, horrific escapade, is that the FBI, sadly, and it does pain me, it hurts me to say this, but if you have not reached this revelation over the last several years, you're just not paying attention. The FBI cannot be trusted. John Paul Mac Isaac, the owner of this computer repair shop, he trusted the FBI. And in exchange for it, he got smeared by the elites in this country. It, it, it was whispered and rumored that he may be a foreign operative, that he could be a spy. He was working with Putin and the Russians. FBI never did anything to dispel that. The FBI may have even leaked that and floated that and suggested that to the media. This guy was disparaged. He's got a lawsuit. Good for him. John Paul MacIsaac trusted the FBI. I raised my children to trust law enforcement, right? You can always trust the cops if there's a problem. My good friends, ladies and gentlemen, I, it, is, it truly does cause me anguish to say at this point in this country, the American people cannot trust the FBI. And if you and if you had a hunch about that, if you were worried about that, if you're thinking about it, now you know. Everybody says, oh, the FBI is investigating the Hunter Biden laptop. There's an ongoing investigation. That, let me tell you something. The investigation is the cover-up. Remember how the FBI was investigating Hillary Clinton in the emails? That investigation ended up being the cover-up. How many of these incidents can we point to you and show you? They investigate it so that nobody can talk about it, no one can say anything. They leak just what they want people to hear 
They don't actually investigate the real crime. And instead, they either determine, yeah, there's really not enough evidence to press charges or, yeah, I guess we got something on Hunter Biden on this drug use thing. So maybe we'll we'll give him something on that. But, you know, he's clean now. He's done his time. Let's let the guy live his life. And they they pretend like they've investigated when that investigation actually ends up being the real cover up of the crimes that were committed. So it's December of 2019 and John Paul MacIsaac hands the laptop over to the FBI. And seven months later, nothing had happened. So in August, he had a copy of the hard drive. And in August of 2020, he handed it over to the New York Post, really to Rudolph Giuliani. And it ended up going to the New York Post. And we'll pick up that part of the story in just a moment. But understand the dates here because they're critically important. The FBI had the laptop December of 2019. Giuliani and the New York Post got it August of 2020. The Post finally ran their story October of 2020, mid-October. So what did the FBI do that entire time that they knew of the laptop, they had the laptop, they looked at the laptop, they could verify the laptop, they knew every nut and bolt and, and, and keystroke of that laptop. What did they do for 11 months in anticipation of the New York Post story? That's what you're about to learn. And it is nothing more than an information campaign, a grooming campaign for social media executives. They spent 10 months preparing social media executives at Twitter and at Facebook and at other companies to be ready to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story because they knew it was coming. They knew exactly what the origin of this laptop was. They knew exactly what the origin of the story was. They knew what the truth was. And they spent from December of 19 to October of 2020 preparing Twitter and other news agencies, other social media entities, excuse me, to censor and delete this story. Why? To affect the presidential election. All the details coming up next. It's Larry O'Connor in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Larry O'Connor sitting in for Mark Levin, and we're uh, busting through this latest release of the Twitter files. It shows you the FBI involvement with social media companies to censor the free speech of Americans. Uh, it's a violation of your civil rights, what's happened here. And, and the FBI can't be trusted. They need to be scrutinized. They need to be investigated. And we need to have a commission set up immediately 
to start stripping this agency of their power because they haven't proven that they can be trusted with it. Sadly, it, it again, again, it pains me to say that. Picking up where Michael Schellenberger left us off here, the journalist who has revealed this today, August 2020 is when this computer repairman uh, reached out to Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, the hero from September 11th, and gave him the mirror drive of this Hunter Biden laptop. Remember now, Giuliani was under FBI surveillance at this time. That's right. The FBI was surveilling America's mayor. You remember they, they raided his home. They took his phones. They took all this information. There were leaks that he was getting information from the Russians and the Ukrainians and the impeachment and all this stuff. You know, like two months ago, quietly, the FBI Justice Department, they let a, put out a statement. Yeah, um, there, there will be no charges filed against Rudy Giuliani. Oh, yeah. There, there, it turns out there was nothing. Turns out... There was nothing. No crime there, nothing. Oh, we surveilled him. We raided his home. We leaked stories that suggested that the man was compromised by foreign agents. But, oh, yeah, and it's fine now. Everything's fine. Because, you know, hey, Joe won. So Rudy has the laptop, and the uh, in october early october giuliani gives it as an exclusive to the investigative reporter miranda devine and her team over at the new york post the night before the new york post story hit at 9 20 in the evening on october 13th fbi special agent elvis chan remember that name elvis chan it's like a asian american elvis impersonator it's, that's my images is this you know he's got the big you know pompadour haircut and he's got the white leather with the rhinestones and he's doing the you know since my baby left me, thing. Uh, Elvis Chan, remember him. He sent 10 documents to Twitter's head of site integrity, Yoel Roth, through a thing called a teleporter. It's a one-way communication channel that had been set up from the FBI to Twitter. Secure line so that Twitter can get information directly from Special Agent Chan at the FBI. Critically important information. That was the night before the story hit. The next day, October 14th, the New York Post runs with this story, and within hours, Twitter censored it. How did they know to censor it just like that? Well, that's the story you're going to hear next. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. When Mark Levin was a kid, his teachers didn't like his snide sense of humor. Today, they still don't like it. Call Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. It's Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin, and we're talking about today's breaking revelations of the FBI involvement in censoring you, of silencing you. 
Uh, and, and let me just be clear here. This was their meddling in the 2020 election. We already know they interfered with the 2016 election twice. They interfered by uh, by, again, pretending to investigate Hillary Clinton's emails. But the but the investigation was the cover up. They were. Oh, yeah, we 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 investigated. Oh, really? How many people got immunity in that investigation? Uh, how transparent were you there? Uh, can we see the details of that investigation? Uh, first time in history where the FBI director decided outside of the Justice Department that there wasn't enough evidence to bring a crime. Usually that's a, the attorney general's decision. But you remember, the attorney general was compromised because she met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac of the airport in Phoenix during the campaign while the investigation was going on. So she said, yeah, I really won't have any part of this decision. So Jim Comey made the decision. And I mean, why, why could we not trust Jim Comey after all? But then they meddled with uh, picking up the false story of the Russian collusion story. Then they interfered with Trump's entire presidency, frankly, by maintaining the Russian collusion hoax, leaking information that was false to the media, revolving door of information going from people at the FBI and the Justice Department to the media. We know that. And now we're seeing how they directly interfered with the 2020 election by controlling information. If you don't think that control of information is that important to a democracy to function properly, uh, the democratic process for a constitutional republic to function properly, then why do you think the left is so concerned about Twitter right now? You know, oh, it's, a, it's no big deal. Oh, sure, they were just trying to keep information, what they thought was misinformation, uh, from being published on Twitter. But that doesn't affect an election. Really? If Twitter isn't that, if, if social media companies aren't that important to an election and the free flow of information in our free republic, then why do you think they're so out of their minds right now with Elon Musk being in charge of Twitter and some of the changes that he's made? It's critically important. If I can go back to the namesake of this program, the patriarch of talk radio these days, now that we've lost Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin is the man. And Mark Levin, Mark Levin made the important point in his seminal book. All of his books are important. All of them must be read. But his book on, on the First Amendment two years ago, is it? I'm so sorry. I'm off the top of my head. It's Unfreedom of the Press, right, guys? Yeah, a few years back. Um, he made the point. Understand something about the First Amendment. Understand something about why the founders wanted to make sure that freedom of the press was in the First Amendment. Do you think that 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 Madison and Washington and Hamilton and Franklin, when they were at the Constitutional Convention, when they came up with freedom of the press, do you think it was to protect reporters? Yeah, you know, someday Jim Acosta, somebody, uh, Trump might tweet something mean about Jim Acosta, so we got to make sure that he's got a constitutional protection. You, you think they were talking about, oh, we got to make sure we're, we're, there weren't any reporters back then. Not that we know them today. Do you think they were worried about owners of newspapers or 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 owners of, of you know, radio and television stations? Everything in the First Amendment, everything in the Constitution, for that matter, and the entire Bill of Rights is written for you. For we, the people, we, the people need First Amendment protections on freedom of the press. It's for us. It protects us. It doesn't protect a reporter. It doesn't re protect the owner of a social media company. It doesn't protect the owner and publisher of a newspaper. It protects us. Because if we don't have a free press that is protected from intervention from a, an all-powerful government, then we cannot participate in the democratic process 
the process we use to choose our elected representatives in this constitutional republic. If we can't have a free flow of information and facts outside of the the bullying tactics of a law enforcement arm of the federal government, then we can't conduct a proper democratic process and election to choose our representatives. That's why the First Amendment is there to protect the press. It's not to protect members of the press. It's to protect us. We don't want the government intruding in the media, in, in, in the press, in the free flow of any kind of information. It's none of their business. And that's what happened here. I know it's very volatile to say this is interference in the 2020 election. This is interference in the election. It has nothing to do with voting machines. It has nothing to do with stuffing ballot boxes. It has nothing to do with, with sequestering the vote or ballot harvesting. It has everything to do with an informed populace and electorate. All the FBI had to do, working on behalf of our government, is, is censor this kind of information from the American people and put a chill wind on any other journalistic endeavor from the New York Times to the Washington Post to your local television station. No one wanted to touch this story because the FBI had convinced everyone that it was Russian propaganda. Oh, sure, the New York Post, they vetted this story, and they've got publishers, they've got lawyers, they've got editors. They seem to be okay with it. But the FBI, I mean, you can trust the FBI, and they're saying it's propaganda. They're saying it's Russian interference, so we've got to leave it alone. We've got to censor it from social media sites, and, and the message was sent. Broadcast networks, local television stations, cable news networks, newspapers left and right, they didn't want to touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. So how did the FBI do this? They had the laptop. They had it in December of 2019. The story didn't get published until mid-October. Listen to Mark Zuckerberg when he was on with Joe Rogan. He gave a little hint about what happened here. The background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some, some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. Now, he makes it sound like they sent an email. They say, hey, just so you know, we might have some more Russian propaganda coming. No, actually, it was much more specific than that. And it was much more regular than that. In fact, they had frequent, repeated meetings. We now know through this revelation from Michael Schellenberger, independent journalist on today's installment of the Twitter files. The FBI was constantly in contact with them, and it got so specific about what they would call a, a hack-and-dump plan. They would call it a hack-and-dump, where the Russians would hack and then dump information, and it couldn't be trusted, and it was propaganda. Here's that Yoel Roth talking about what he was told 
by the FBI would be happening. We learn about DC leaks, and we learn about the intersection between APT-28, a unit of Russian military intelligence, a hacking group, and so the morning of the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post happens, and it was weird, right? We didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what was true. There was, there was smoke, and ultimately for me, uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter but it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leak campaign alarm right, bells. So it looked my finely tuned APT28 hack and leak campaign alarm bells. APT28 is a uh, Russian hacking organization. How does this guy, Yoel Roth, a, an executive at a social media company, tech nerd, woke lawyer know about APT28? He doesn't know about APT-28. All he knows about APT-28 is what the FBI told him. And he was told on a weekly basis, sometimes more than that, specifically that there was a plan in place. Be on the lookout for it. There's going to be a big hack. The Russians are going to do it. They're trying to help Trump. It's going to meddle with the election and they're going to leak it and it's going to be propaganda. They even went so far specifically to say it's going to be about Hunter Biden. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They went that far. Get ready. In September of 2020, a month before the New York Post story hit, 10 months after the FBI had the laptop and they knew full well where it came from, and a month after the laptop was handed over by this computer store owner to Rudy Giuliani, there was an Aspen Institute exercise. It was called a tabletop exercise. It involved a bunch of different executives from social media companies and coordinated by a woman named Vivian Schiller, former CEO of NPR, former head of news at Twitter, former general manager of the New York Times, former chief digital officer of NBC News. In the attendees were people from Facebook, from Twitter, reporters from New York Times and the Washington Post. And what was the premise of this tabletop exercise? Basically, it was like, hey, let's hey, let's game plan something. Let's see if we've got all the proper things in place. So if some weird Russian propaganda hack and leak thing happens right before the election, we know how to follow the right protocols to take care of it. And what was the premise? The premise of this entire tabletop exercise in September, the month before the Hunter Biden laptop story published by the New York Post, the whole premise of this exercise was a hack and dump operation relating to Hunter Biden. Related to information about Hunter Biden's lobbying efforts with Burisma in Ukraine. A month before the New York Post published their story, this entire left-wing Aspen Institute exercise organized by NPR, New York Post, New York Times, all these people who worked at these social media companies. The whole thing was, hey, hypothetically, we might get a hack and leak operation from Russia related to Hunter Biden. Let's figure out what we'll do if that happens. By mid-September 2020, Elvis Chan, 
the Elvis impersonating special agent at the FBI, and Yoel Roth at Twitter had set up an encrypting messaging network so employees from the FBI and Twitter could communicate. And they created a virtual war room for, quote, all the Internet industry plus FBI and the Office of Director of National Intelligence. So the government could see in a moment-by-moment basis the information that was passing on Twitter's website. So they could raise the red flags and say, hey, that's not good. Hey, that is good. No, this is a problem. No, 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 no. And on September 15th, the FBI's Laura Demlo, who heads up the Foreign Influence Task Force for the FBI, something they shouldn't even have. They're supposed to be for domestic crimes. And Elvis Chan, they requested to give a classified briefing for Jim Baker, who used to work at the FBI, now works for Twitter, without any other Twitter staff. In other words, the FBI says, hey, we'd like to give a top secret classified briefing to this guy who works for you, Jim Baker. He's one of your top lawyers. He used to work for the FBI. We need to tell him something, and no one else can know what we tell him. That was September 15th, one month before the Hunter Biden story. So when the Hunter Biden story hit, what did that guy, Jim Baker, who had just been briefed privately, exclusively by the FBI, what did he do? What did he recommend? What did Twitter do? What did the FBI demand? That's next. As this story unfolds for you, I'm Larry O'Connor, in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin here, picking up on this story again. All credit to Michael Schellenberger, independent journalist who put this out on Twitter today at the behest of Elon Musk, releasing internal documents that show exactly what went behind the decision to censor the New York Post story on the Hunter Biden laptop. And I, as, picking up where I left off, the FBI knew where this laptop came from. They knew it wasn't a Russian hack. They knew exactly what it is because they had it in October of 2019. They had been grooming these executives to censor this story all year long with weekly updates, weekly meetings, even so far in September to do, they did this exercise, a tabletop exercise. Hey, let's just hypothetically say what would happen if, I don't know, there was a hack and leak story about Hunter Biden, let's say. I don't know, let's just say it's Hunter Biden. And then the story, and then the last thing I told you was that Jim Baker, who used to work at the FBI, now he's a top lawyer for Twitter, he gets a private briefing, classified briefing from the FBI only, no one else in Twitter is allowed to hear what is said in this meeting. Then on October 14th, the New York Post story publishes. 
And Yoel Roth, the guy in charge of censoring stuff on Twitter, says in a memo, it isn't clearly violative of our hacked materials policy. It's, it isn't clearly in violation of any of our policies. It feels like a lot of somewhat uh, subtle leak operation, maybe, but I don't think we can censor this thing. Basically, he's saying this doesn't look like leaked materials. Because because we have receipts for the laptop that was turned in, and and the New York Post says they verified the validity of the information. In response, Jim Baker, the guy who got that private one-on-one -on -one briefing from the FBI, he immediately insists that the materials were either fake or hacked, or both. He maintains, yes, this is a violation. We've got to censor it, and censor it they did. Even though the information had been verified by the Post, and within a day it was verified by other agencies. But mission accomplished. They violated your First Amendment right to information, to receiving information. They violated the New York Post First Amendment right in delivering information. And the violations of those First Amendment rights, your civil rights, that resulted in an uninformed electorate that tampered with the 2020 presidential election, period. And that would be bad enough. The FBI's involvement in this story would be bad enough if that's all it was. But here's my favorite part. You're hearing all this and you're thinking, my God, those executives, those lawyers, the personnel over at Twitter, they're spending a lot of time, a lot of man hours jumping through hoops for the FBI. All year long, they're having these meetings. They have to go through this stuff. They got to delete these things. They got to censor this stuff. They got to clear these things. They got to get these briefings out. All these, I mean, these are top paid executives doing all this. This is highly paid personnel. I mean, it's remarkable. It must have cost them millions. Yeah, you would think that. Are you ready for the kicker here that will make this story even worse? The FBI paid Twitter to do this. The FBI used your tax dollars to pay Twitter to do their bidding to censor this story, to violate your First Amendment rights in receiving this information... They paid Twitter $3.4 million to compensate for the manpower it took to have an uninformed electorate to meddle with our last election. I'm Larry O'Connor. This is The Mark Levin Show. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. 
Folks, I need you to do something today. With aircraft prices surging and flights being canceled left and right, it's harder than ever for our wounded, ill, and injured service members to be with their loved ones on Christmas. And unless we do something right now, within the next two weeks, hundreds of wounded service members will be forced to be apart from their families on Christmas. Luke's Wings believes that every wounded warrior should be able to spend the holidays with their loved ones. Since 2008, they provided more than 14,000 airplane tickets, reuniting families with wounded warriors. This Christmas, please join me and help Luke's Wings reunite 500 wounded warriors with their families by making a tax-deductible donation at lukeswings.org today. Please don't wait. Donate right now. Airfare is rising fast, and these soldiers are running out of time. Please make a meaningful impact this Christmas. Bring a soldier and their family together. By donating today at lukeswings.org. That's lukeswings.org. Lukeswings.org. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It's Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin tonight. Always an honor to sit in for the great one, and he really is. He's an incredible talent, an incredible intellect, an incredible writer, an incredible patriot, an incredible broadcaster, and a lot of people don't know, and I always like to embarrass him uh, when I have the opportunity. Uh, He's an incredibly uh, supportive, positive, uplifting, tender guy. And uh, he's he's always been incredibly generous to me and uh, supportive and helpful to me. And I uh, always want to express my gratitude for the ability to sit behind his humble microphone and fill in a little bit here and there. Uh, And I appreciate you all uh, for sitting through what many people, many people in the media will will write this story off. that I just went through the last hour detailing for you and say, oh, it's too complicated. There's nothing to see there. It's no big deal. You you paid with your tax dollars. You paid through the FBI money to Twitter to violate your First Amendment rights. It was your money. FBI gave him $3.4 million of your money to do the work of censoring this Hunter Biden laptop story so that people wouldn't be educated and informed to make their vote. And we know this. We've seen the polls where people said months after the election, had they known about the Hunter Biden story, they would not have voted for Joe Biden. You don't need to look at ballot box stuffing. You don't have to look at missing ballots. You don't have to look at shenanigans that may or may not have happened in the counting of mail-in ballots. You don't have to look at overseas control of computerized tabulating machine. You don't look at all of that stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't look at it. There may be something there. I would think by now an investigation would have shown something. But you don't even need that. We know exactly what happened here. It's documented. And you can't tell me this didn't affect the election. You know, we have rules. We have rules. As a radio host, I know this uh, because the local stations, local stations have broadcast license through the FCC. And with that come certain rules. And especially when it pertains to the free flow of information leading up to an election, when you're focusing on candidates in particular, the government is incredibly focused on making sure that there is a fair and balanced playing field on 
federally licensed airwaves because, and they do this on a, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, if we're heading up to an election and I have a candidate on my radio show on WMAL in Washington, D.C., where I'm the morning show host, it covers the whole greater Washington area, the mid-Atlantic, and let's face it, it's the internet, so you can listen anywhere. I know people do all over the place. Uh, we're, we're America's morning show. With my uh, my great co-hosts Julie Gunlock and Patrice Onwuka, and our incredible producer, executive producer, the best in the business, Heather Hunter, we get people listening all over the place. And when we're in the lead up to an election, and we have a candidate on, if let's say we have the Republican candidate on, let's say Glenn Youngkin, last year, big big election in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate, was on our show a lot. That's why he won. If Terry McCullough, the Democrat nominee, had demanded to be on the show, we didn't. We wouldn't have had a choice. It's the law. I, I, a lot of times I'll have listeners say, why do you let that Democrat on the air? I don't have a choice. <laughs> if he's running for office and he wants to come on and we've had his opponent on, he gets to come on. That is federal license mandate at the local level on radio stations. Same thing on television stations, equal time. I know you're all thinking, oh, but the fairness doctrine. No, 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 that's different. That's about opinions. That's about expressing opinions. We're not beholden to the fairness doctrine. But when it comes to an election, they take that stuff seriously. As well they should. Why? Because if you if the government is involved, let, let me rephrase this. If the if the electorate if the citizens are denied full access to information, especially on a federally regulated airwaves like a radio station, then they are denied the ability to be a fully informed voter leading up to an election. That's the principle behind equal time provisions when it pertains to candidates and elections. That's critically important. We hold that principle and that value near and dear to our hearts. And by the way, as a radio host, as a as a self-professed conservative Republican radio host, I would have loved for Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat candidate, to come on. See, I don't see this as a burden. If the Democrat picks up the phone and says, Larry, I want to come on the air too, bring it on. I can't wait because I know I'm going to ask you questions that they're never going to ask you at the Washington Post or the New York Times or on CNN. So I'd love it. I don't feel like it's some burden, but it is a legal responsibility. And now you've got, for, forget about equal time on Twitter. Forget about the First Amendment and whether executives decided to censor this story or not because they thought it might have been Russian disinformation. Forget about the choice that Twitter made. They were groomed all year long and, and propagandized and brainwashed by your FBI to be ready for a Hunter Biden story, because when it comes down the pike, it's going to be right before the election. And when this big blockbuster story about Hunter Biden comes out, we're the FBI. We know these things. We're the experts. And we're telling you right now, it's going to be a Russian hack and leak operation. And you don't want to get involved in that. Oh, boy, it'd be a real pity if after the election you fell for something like that and we'd have to have a bunch of congressional hearings. 
Sure would be a pity to have to regulate Twitter. I know you don't want that to happen, so you better act independently. You better make sure that doesn't happen, because we'd hate to have some sort of criminal investigation. I mean, if you didn't do due diligence to keep a Russian propaganda hack and leak operation from hitting your website... I'd hate to find some statute that you'd violated and we'd have some international espionage criminal investigation. Yeah, that would be a terrible thing for you, too. So you better put, you know, safety in front of everything else. You you better just fault on the side of of deleting this. Hey, no one's going to be mad if you just not let that out. But boy, if you do let it out, man, that could be a violation of a crime. And we'd hate to have a full FBI investigation. We'd hate to have to subpoena everyone. We'd hate to have to drag you into D.C. and question you. The federal government through the FBI bullied these people. Now, I'm not trying to give Twitter a pass. I think they're a bunch of rich, elitist, snobby uh, uh, patsies who didn't need a whole lot of convincing to help Joe Biden and the Democrats. They were primed and ready for this. But they didn't know anything about foreign intelligence operations. They didn't know anything about hacking from Russian uh, ABT-29 hackers. They didn't know anything about a, a, a big propaganda operation. They were groomed by the FBI to be poised and ready. And the second this story hit, boy, they, they jumped through that hoop. Because Pavlov rad, rang that bell, and boy, did they come barking for their dish of food. They were ready because they were trained and they were groomed. And to kick it out, to add insult to injury, the FBI used your money to pay for the whole thing. $3.4 million was funneled back to Twitter to compensate them for the work hours used for the FBI's own censoring agenda. And God bless the mainstream media. They don't want to talk about this straight. I'm telling you right now, all they're talking about is the January 6th kangaroo committee. But there is an investigation. That's what I got. That was puzzling to me about the question, because the Department of Justice is investigating Hunter Biden. And you see, I told you this would happen. This is Juan Williams yesterday. He was asked by Shannon Bream specifically, why shouldn't there be an investigation into Hunter Biden? Remember how I just said the investigation is the cover up? So Juan Williams can sit there and say, I don't know, of course he should be investigated. There is an investigation. Really? Listen to what listen to what Juan Williams says here. It's being attorney, done yeah. by a U.S. attorney in Delaware who was appointed by Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And he's looking into whether or not Hunter Biden was wrong in the way he filed taxes and the way he that he'd handled a gun apparently so 72 percent yeah. are for that there you go there you go it's all about his he didn't file his right taxes and he didn't handle a gun properly yeah they're investigating all that oh and all that crack pipe stuff yeah that's that's it nothing about uh the money he made from china nothing about the the big guy joe biden getting 10 percent. nothing about the money that was made from russia and from ukraine not of that see the the investigation is the cover-up and then people can say oh that's 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 from two years ago dude that story's two years old no one cares about that now that was already investigated oh yeah and they they found a tax violation it's that's that's old news because the FBI can stand up there and say, well, we can announce today with great sorrow that we do have some criminal indictments for Hunter Biden on some drug possession and uh, unlawful use of a firearm and uh, misfiling of taxes. And uh, we're going to we're going to prosecute him to the fullest extent of the law. Like, Are you kidding me? What about everything else? 
Just like James Comey. Yeah, Hillary Clinton's sloppy use of top secret classified information. Here are all the times that she had classified information. Anybody else would have been prosecuted. But there's not really enough evidence here to bring this to trial. So it's over. We did our investigation. She absolutely was investigated. And uh, and, and now let's move on. It's all yesterday's news. See, the investigation is the cover-up. But thankfully, this was Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream, because Juan Williams throws that out there. And my friend, and he is my friend, Vince Colonnese, he's the afternoon drive host on WMAL. He was on the panel yesterday. Great job. I got to say, and I know this gets tiresome, but I am so lucky to be on WMAL in Washington, D.C. We are the best talk radio station in America, as well we should be, because if you're doing talk radio and you're in Washington, D.C., you better not be a talentless hack. And so, so I, I am on this station. I do the morning show, and I trust me, I am the least talented of anyone there. I'll be the first one to admit it. I, it's, I'm lucky to be there. Then the great Chris Plant is on this station, and he's based out of D.C. And then Vince Colonnese does afternoon drives. He's based out of D.C. And Mark Levin, of course, six to nine, and of course he's a national host, but he also calls his home Northern Virginia in the D.C. area. We are incredibly blessed in the station. And here's Vince Colonnese sitting on that panel with Shannon Bream. Usually on these news shows on Sundays, there isn't a Vince Colonnese sitting there. And Juan Williams, with a, with a, with a very grateful host, gets to have the last word. But Shannon Bream's a good person. And Shannon Bream pushes the issue. Now listen. Well, so fine. That's what the, that's what's happening under the Biden administration. I don't get it. There's no preference here. If Hunter Biden's guilty of anything, he's guilty of using his family name uh, to, for connections. And I don't. It's not illegal. And and we see this across many presidents in their wow. of family. He's and also you, guilty of being of... an addict who is showing mm-hmm. sort of pornographic images of himself. So I mean, is he the bag man? If, would you pick him to be your <laughs> your Fredo if you were the Godfather? I don't think so. I think that's a, not the right guy. The pile of evidence here is immense, though. It's not just that he was on drugs and there's pictures of him in sex acts that exists. Yes, and that could be used for blackmail potentially. But ultimately, you've got Tony Bobulinski, an actual on-the-record business partner, saying that Joe Biden was the financial beneficiary of this arrangement. It, it is an explicit thing that they have never denied. The White House there's has no not put pre- it down, no and Hunter has not put it there's down. There's no evidence. Well, it's his, it's his word out there. There's no evidence. Did you hear that? And God bless you, Vince Colonnese of the Vince Colonnese Show and the Daily Caller. Great work there. Great job. Uh, there's no evidence. He, Vince just laid out the evidence, Juan, and, and, say, and said, I'm sorry for Juan, but he's got a thankless job here. He needs to try to tow his party line and he doesn't have a great argument. You know, he needs to defend Hunter Biden and and the lack of oversight and investigation. Vince Colonnese just laid it out. Tony Bobulinski is an eyewitness who has come forward. He has only talked to Tucker Carlson. The FBI still hasn't interviewed this guy. Tony Bobulinski was the business partner of Hunter Biden. He says, this is what we did. This is how we made our money. And we kicked back a huge chunk of it to Joe Biden. Okay, so there's firsthand eyewitness of somebody involved in the entire operation. And oh, well, and Shannon Bream just said, well, it's his word. No, it's not just his word because that testimony right there from Tony Bobulinski is backed up by the paper trail of emails and documents with Tony Bobulinski's name on them. So he was obviously in the know. All of the emails on this laptop back up that verbal testimony. That's evidence. 
if anyone wants to use it for an investigation. And Juan Williams is stuck there saying, oh, you know, this is all old news. And oh, he's just a hapless drug addict. Who would ever pick him? Well, he's the best Biden's got. And by the way, last I checked, Joe Biden said that this hapless drug addict who would never be anybody's Fredo bag bag man was, in fact, the smartest guy Joe Biden has ever met. So, I mean, I, I agree. If we're grading on a curve and it's Biden world, it's a pretty low freaking bar if this is the smartest guy Joe Biden has ever met. But if he is looking for a trusted family member who happens to be the smartest guy he's ever met, Hunter Biden seems to fit the bill to be the Fredo bagman, Juan. I'm sorry, I'm just quoting your guy, Joe Biden, in describing the drug addict criminal, Hunter Biden. All right, you want to react to this, and I love that you do. Let's talk about it. 877-381-3811. It's Larry O'Connor in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com. Click on Qualify Me and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time. So check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin. I, I want to reiterate here, uh, and I'm not just giving it lip service. It does break my heart to have lost faith in the FBI and federal law enforcement. But, um, but you know, we the people, this, this still is our country. As long as that document still exists, the Constitution, and it's not just sitting under glass at the National Archives down on the National Mall. I... It, as long as that document still exists, as long as we pretend to be a constitutional republic, then we the people still need to call the shots in this country whenever we possibly can. And it's getting harder and harder every day. But the evidence is clear that there is something very wrong and very broken at the FBI. And and I do feel for a lot of the agents who are trying to do the right thing and they are stymied by the political executives on the seventh floor that that want to control everything and do control everything and i used to i, I used to challenge all of the you know I, we kept hearing look you're besmirching the name of the good men and women who wear the badge and do the hard work the shoe leather investigations the fbi no i'm not 
I'm very specifically talking about the very problematic executive suite in D.C. and those that Robert Mueller, when he was the director of the FBI, placed in certain bureaus around the country. However, a couple of years ago, I started saying those good men and women who don't like the FBI being besmirched, they need to speak up. Otherwise, they are complicit in this. And guess what? They are starting to speak up. And Jim Jordan and uh, Congressman Comer, they've got a lot of FBI whistleblowers lined up for hearings coming up in this new Congress. Your calls next. Larry O'Connor in for Mark. Mark Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. The Trust and Safety Team, that was that was the Orwellian name of the group of lawyers in charge of censoring and deleting ideas from the Twitter marketplace. The Trust and Safety Team. And of course, in instilling trust and safety, they pretty much secured the Joe Biden election. Everyone was wondering, was like, how, how is this guy going to win? He's campaigning in his basement. We know he's got the media on his side. We know he's got all that. But, I mean, uh, well, now now we know. He had quite an assist, didn't he? 877-381-3811. James Comer, not to be confused with James Comey. James Comer is a congressman out of Kentucky. He's going to be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. He announced after the Republican majority was secured and... uh, And let me just be clear. I I wanted the midterm elections to be better. I wanted to have a 25-30 seat majority in the House. I think we could have and should have had that. But let me just be clear here. Because I'm a positive guy, I try to be sort of optimistic. Um, It's trite to say it. But yeah, half glass full. let's, Let's just be clear here. As long as Joe Biden is in the White House, you could have a 10 seat majority in the Senate, which we never would have gotten. Wouldn't even got a five seat majority in the Senate. And you could have had a 30 or 40 seat majority in the House. But legislatively, it literally makes no difference because nothing coming out of that Congress would be signed by this president. And there isn't enough votes to override his veto. So legislatively, it makes no difference whether you have a two seat majority in the House or a 20 seat majority in the House. It makes no difference at all. The only difference here is that if you've got a one-seat, two-seat, three-seat, four-seat majority, you control the hearings, you control the committees, you control the staffing, you control the budgets, you control the agenda. And that means that James Comer will be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And just two days after the election, he made an announcement. He had a press conference with uh, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, a couple of other congressmen. I think uh, uh, Jim Jordan was there as well. He's not the chairman of that committee. He's chairman of judiciary. And they said, all right, let the investigations begin. And that's exactly what's going to happen the first week of January. And as bad as this last midterm election was, as long as that majority is there, this is what we get. And boy, is it going to make a difference. It sure better make a difference. James Comer, the new chairman of the House Oversight Committee, appeared on uh, Hannity Friday night. Now, this was after this wasn't even after today's revelation of the FBI literally paying Twitter to do this work and grooming them all year long to be ready for the Hunter Biden laptop story. This this was after the revelation on Friday night that there were you know eighty FBI agents dedicated to flagging accounts and speech, saying, get rid of this one, get rid of this one. They con- they're they constantly looking at all these tweets, for God's sake, 
and then have a pipeline saying, okay, yeah, censor that one, censor that one, censor that one. And again, they're always going to say, oh, we didn't tell them, we just advised them, but it's up to them whether they want to delete things or not. The implied threat from the FBI is always there, okay? If you don't do what they want you to do, you're going to be investigated. You'll be the next one. This is the bullying tactic that we have seen all the way along. You cooperate with the FBI or suddenly you are the criminal. How many times do we have to see that? But James Comer, he uh, he was pretty clear on Hannity the other night on Fox News Channel. He said at this point, as chairman of the House Oversight Committee, based on the latest revelations, he wants the FBI to be, and I'm quoting, dismantled. Dismantled. The FBI needs to be dismantled. Has it reached that point? I mean, I, I remember seeing Libertarian Ron Paul years ago saying, you know, the FBI is a relatively new agency. We, we lasted over 100 years in this country without an FBI. Whatever investigative work they do could be done by the local U.S. attorneys in every region. That's how it used to be done. And by the staffs of those U.S. attorneys. Do we need this federal law enforcement arm, the FBI? Should it be dismantled? Should it be reimagined? Should it be reformed? Is there a reformation process that would make sense? Or are you with Congressman James Comer, who, extraordinary statement. He said this is as, as serious and this is going to be a top priority for Republicans on the Oversight Committee. And he wants to know if this was a rogue FBI employee or two. But he said what we found out today was the FBI had its own ministry of propaganda with 80 FBI agents dedicated to nothing but censoring free speech. He said, our First Amendment rights, anyone that cares about free speech should be outraged, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It has to stop. He said, this is serious. What else are, in, are, are they involved in at the FBI? The entire FBI needs to be dismantled. Do you agree with that? Is it that drastic at this point? I'm on the verge of agreeing with him. 877 Three eight one one. Let's go to David in New Jersey listening on the great WABC station I used to listen to all the time when I lived there. Hey, David. Thank you for taking my call. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Me I too, wanted man. to. You. Uh, I wanted to ask, um, given the fact that Twitter was paid with taxpayer money for all these services rendered for doing all this, what I consider to be illegal. It will be interesting to see what, if any, laws have been broken here um, by that three-letter acronym that I constantly hear. 99.9% are good. I to point out <laughs> that Rudy Giuliani said that he had given a copy of the laptop to the guy that goes out of his way to say 99.9% are good. But let not his heart be troubled. I don't even think he's made a statement refuting Giuliani, and I trust Giuliani. And, uh, yeah, I just want to figure out if there's any laws that have been broken here because it certainly seems it. And lastly, if yeah. I may, good sir. Uh, yeah, listen, it's, a, it's obviously a very pertinent question. Uh, civil rights have been violated, and that is against the law. Um, Andrew McCarthy has a very good piece in the uh, National Review from yesterday, David, and I, I think you should read it. I'm hoping to get Andrew McCarthy on uh 
for an interview about it, where he basically said, you know, that, that's what needs to be done here. There, there are civil rights statutes on the books right now. This is a criminal violation of civil rights to silence. The New York, New York Post absolutely has been violated, and their civil rights have been violated. But I still maintain that you and I, our, our right to learn information and to hear this information has been violated. With regard to the money, let me be clear here. Um, there, there is something at the FBI that had been set up to be able to reimburse. It's a, it's called a uh, scale reimbursement program. When, when the FBI or members of the DOJ ask private companies to do a bunch of work on their behalf to get information and get uh, evidence or what have you, or this kind of work, there is a program set up to reimburse that private entity for their work. And this was done under that umbrella. Now, whether that is an illegal use of this reimbursement program or not, that should be looked into. Because it sure looks like a $3.4 million pass-through Hey, if if it if it upsets you to do our bidding and uh, and delete these accounts and censor all this information, maybe this three point four million dollars we hand over to you will make it go down a little bit easier. You know, it's hard enough to refuse the FBI, David, when there's the looming threat of criminal action against you if you don't do exactly what they tell you to do. But then when you know that's the stick. But then when they throw a three point four million dollar carrot out there, it's pretty easy to comply with the FBI, wouldn't you say? I suppose, but I, I wanted to point out something about ethics here. Uh, you just mentioned about people saying to dismantle it. Uh, Chris Ray was recommended by the gun-grabbing Chris Christie, and he was the one who investigated the GW Bridge scandal and said, oh, yeah, Christie's absolved, so I wish to point that out for everybody. There is some serious gangrene going on there, and I would hope that somebody will, in this situation be going to prison one day but i'm not going to hold my breath yeah i'm done holding my breath on that as well david honestly and it, it is one of the greatest frustrations of everything that we've learned over the last several years david my man thank you for the call great stuff out of new jersey wbc he knows his chris christie better than anyone uh let's get to uh I don't want to get so many from New York and New Jersey. How about Ken in Hideaway, Texas? Hideaway, Texas. All right, Ken. Thanks for calling. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, hey thanks, for, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, um, uh, first of all, uh, just comment on, uh, you know, the, the news that I hear all the time. I, I would love it if they would, like Fox News, if they would uh, stop calling it the Hunter Biden laptop story and start calling it the Joe Biden corruption story, because that's really the issue with that. Um, and, I, and I just want to talk about Tony Bobolinsky. I heard you earlier talking about, you know, uh, his uh, his program on Tucker Carlson. And I did see that. And yeah. I thought back, I, when that happened, I thought for sure that the election would totally lean into Trump's favor. But, you know, I had a, I had a friend of mine shortly thereafter was talking about who I was going to vote for. And I said, well, of course not Biden. I said, the man's corrupt. And we had a conversation about um, Tony Bobolinsky, and he said, who's Tony Bobolinsky? I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Right. Hang up the phone, Google right. him, and call me back. So then he hung up the phone. Uh, a few minutes later, he texted me back saying, oh, he's just a disgruntled ex-employee of Hunter Biden. No, he was not an ex-employee of Hunter Biden. He was a business partner. He was so, his partner. Yeah. Uh, it was his partner, yeah. So the 
just continuing that conversation with people. It's just like uh, they, they're living in their own beliefs, and no matter what they hear or see, they're still going to, uh, you know, think in a certain way. But um, I've had conversations with them since, and we've kind of, you know. Uh, yeah. It, it, it is. It's hard to change. Listen, there are some people's minds that are very hard to change here, Ken. No matter how much information. I mean, eventually, the in retrospect, they're going to say, you know, you, you get. Ken, you get Democrats now who will say, yeah, you know, but that Bill Clinton guy, obviously, he was a mess. We'd never vote for him again. But you know, it takes him fifteen years, twenty years to get there, and they'll get there with Biden. But part of the reason why it's hard, even with information, this is all part of of again going back to what Andrew Breitbart would call the Democrat media complex. And this full court press that is done, this propaganda full court press that is done to discredit anyone who who doesn't toe the line or march down the path that you're demanded to march down by the elites, by our betters, by our superiors in the government and academia and in mass media. Yeah, Google Tony Bobulinski and Tucker Carlson. And not only will you see some hits on that interview that was, you know, extraordinary and important, but you'll also see the reaction to it. Don't you remember what they called Tucker Carlson right after that interview? He, he was he was Vladimir Putin's puppet. Tucker Carlson is participating in Russian disinformation by continuing to propagate this story that is illegally hacked information off of Hunter Biden's laptop. And and continuing to put out into the ether this trumped up fake story that was created by some Russian propagandist in the Kremlin. Tucker Carlson is part of the problem. In fact, he is probably a Russian agent, too. In fact, Tucker Carlson should probably be investigated for treason. That was the reaction. Now, if you're an everyday American and you're not paying attention to this stuff, even if you listen, I don't think anyone in this country is is it can be nonpartisan anymore. I don't think they can be unbiased and not walk around with some political proclivity but let's imagine that person exists and you objectively try to get information on either a social media website or off of you know a, a, a web search engine and you say wow this guy says he was hunter, hunter biden's partner and this guy over on fox news he's the most watched television program on cable news that must be valid what are people saying about the interview and all you see is attacks on on the journalist, attacks on Tucker Carlson as a stooge of Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin? What's what's your typical American citizen to think? And oh, by the way, what was the evidence that that backed up the claim that Tucker Carlson was a stooge of Putin and this entire story was Russian disinformation? Well, well, we have this letter signed by 50 ex-members of the intelligence community who see the laptop story and they say, yeah, that has all the hallmarks of Russian propaganda. Well, there you go. And the revolving door continues. The Democrat media complex in the government, in the media, in the government, in the media, and they're all singing from the same page. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin.
It's Larry O'Connor in for the great one, Mark Levin, uh, having a great time. And uh, again, so honored to sit in for him. I, I hope you've enjoyed our our walk through this latest Twitter file story, it's most specifically about the Hunter Biden laptop. And again, there's so much blame to go around here. But ultimately, this was a government operation. It was a government information and influence operation that, that groomed Twitter executives and Mark Zuckerberg and executives at Facebook to be prepared and ready at a moment's notice to censor that laptop story. And it worked. I mean, they're good. They know what they're doing. They absolutely do. Donnie in Alexandria, Virginia. That's WMAL country. So we'll be waking up together tomorrow morning. Donnie, what do you think? You're on Mark Levin. Hey, thank you, Larry, so much for uh, focusing on the $3.4 million. That is the key. Um, mm. $3.4 million makes this a contractor to the United States government. There is no persuasion. There is no uh, threats. It's They contracted Twitter to suppress my freedom of speech. This makes it a government operation. And please keep focusing on $3.4 million. Well, Donnie, thank you for that, and that that's incredible. I, I haven't heard that perspective on it yet. If if it is a, it was done under the guise of this reimbursement program for uh, for man hours used in connection with the FBI operation. It would that technically be a contract job? That's like Comey got paid a salary, right? Comey's salary was no different than this three point four million, right? It's the money. Follow, I'm a I'm a CPA. Follow the money. $3.4 million, that's 3.4 million reasons why this was an FBI yeah. operation. It's all about right. the money. Follow the money. Donnie, thank you for that. No, oh, go ahead. You had one more thing? No, well, the other thing I was going to say, one thing earlier, you had said that the FBI didn't even talk to Tony Bobulinski. They actually did. He was on Tucker, and he said he actually interviewed with the, the FBI for several hours, yeah. and they, they said they would get back to him, and they never did. Thank you for that. And you're absolutely right. I did misspeak. I I forgot that uh, he did a five-hour interview uh, in October of 2020 and no follow-up and nothing else. And wasn't that a year after they had the laptop? Almost a year. They got it in December of 2019. And it took Tucker Carlson's interview of Tony Bobulinski to actually inspire the FBI to say, hey, maybe we should talk to this guy, even though his name is all over this stuff. It's broken, Donnie. It's absolutely broken. By the way, the same people are denying that the FBI did anything like this. They're the same ones who were sure that the FBI was involved with the JFK assassination. Weird, huh?